When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, um, he, had, he had an injury yesterday, so he won't play this weekend. He, he's a bit down, but we're, we're hoping it's not too long. And, and like we've said all along, we're going to err on the side of caution, and it could be more of a blessing to skies to really let him uh, get healed up over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll get him back. HNX Cardinals podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Be sure to download the app today using the code PHNX. You're going to get $200 in free bets after placing just a $1 bet on any NFL game this weekend. So we already spilled the beans on the bad news. The Cardinals, they started the week. Everyone was healthy, but unfortunately, Dennis Gardak could not remain healthy. So linebacker, special teamer, and a team captain, now he's out. Craziest thing about it is I'm pretty sure they were not tackling this week in practice. That, gotta, that to me has to blow my mind. Like how can you get hurt doing nothing, trying to do nothing? Yeah, but how do you get hurt doing – like they're not tackling. They're not, they're not wrestling each other. They're not doing anything physical because – we didn't want to mess the mojo up of going into this week with all our players, and now we're in a situation where he's out this week. That's sad to me. Yeah, I think they're in a decent position, though. Outside linebacker remains one of the deepest position units on the team, and I always thought that not rushing him back because he knows his body. I watched him in, in training camp. I didn't think he looked great. I didn't think he looked bad. He had a big knee brace on, and I'm like, mm, that seems fast when they activated him. And even Kingsbury said – today when you were at, at practice, Chirsten, that might be a blessing in disguise to get him fully healthy and, and ready to go. Remember, they've got Devon Kennard, who they're paying, I think, like $7 million guaranteed to be a backup outside linebacker Chief this year. Chief. So I, I do think with Marcus Golden, Chandler Jones, you can kick J.J. Watt to the edge in a 4-3. They'll be okay in terms of defensive pressure. And if Vance Joseph can do anything, he manufacture pressure on the quarterback. I think Really where it hurts the team is special team coverage. You already lost Trent Sherfield in the offseason to San Francisco. What does their coverage look like week one against Tennessee? But it sounds like he's going to be out multiple weeks. Johnny, thank you for saying my name because you reminded me that I didn't introduce any of us. That's so. all right. I'm Cherson Sussell. He's Johnny Venerable. And we have Frank Sanders over here on my right. Woo-woo. <laughs> they let us back in the building. My key worked tonight, which was exciting. 
That's wonderful. Mine too. We're all here. We made it in the building. Uh, my first thought on Dennis. So you mentioned the knee brace. So he had uh, surgery on his ACL back in January. He slowly made his his way back. Um, he returned to camp or made his debut in camp the same day that JJ Watt did, mm-hmm. and it was like a huge celebration. Yeah. And they like we were all sitting in the media room waiting uh, to be able to go out to practice. So it was pre practice, and all of a sudden, like it felt like the walls were like shaking. And so we asked some of the players about it, and that was. Dennis blasting his EDM music in the locker room <laughs> nice. and they were just dancing at whatever they were doing in there just celebrating uh that he was back JJ was back and I know that he was really excited to get back on the field so I feel for him we don't know you know the the extent of the injury we know something's going on with his hand uh, but it could be several weeks before he's back on the field yeah it's a 17 game season and I think precaution is key and what's nice now about the NFL and the rules in place. Remember the old IR? I know Frank does. Mm-hmm. When you when you put a player on IR, essentially half their season was wiped out. In the 16-game uh, season, half of the season, you had to miss eight games. Now you can kind of pick and choose, and I think that's advantageous, advantageous for a Cardinal team that for the first time, really, and Kingsbury said it today, since 2015, they feel like they have a lot of depth. Steve Kime, rather, said that. This is their deepest team, and so... While it's not ideal, you can get by with it, assuming the special teams coverage isn't, you know, super vulnerable this weekend. I agree. I'm more. I just more so just feel for the guy. I do too. I think that you know everything about him is all emotional, all energy, and being on the road um, in a hostile environment, you want that guy in your locker room. You want that guy in the field, and I do feel bad for him. I mean, one injury from one injury to another, and it's holding him back from having the opportunity to go out and play and do what he loves to do. Um, I feel bad for him, but I'm I'm with you, JV. I think that you know it's a long season, mm-hmm. and he's in a good situation. He doesn't have to rush back. Um, he has an opportunity to kind of develop. I think what I love more importantly is that they want him. Yeah, it's not like he was a top draft pick, so they want him. They want what he brings to the table. He, I mean, he's a act, he's an active guy on the defense, and he brings a lot to the table. And if the team is willing to give him that time to get himself back right, I think that's pretty awesome. So I like that. I like his situation right now. Something tells me that if the playoffs were on the line and this was the fourth yeah, quarter of the season, I agree 100%. he would probably have like a club on his hand like Buddha had last year and like you know the great Larry Wilson had. He would find a way to get out there. It's so early in the process. We haven't even kicked off the first game yet. I'm sure they're just like, take a couple weeks, get right. We'll have you for week four, week five, and, and we'll kick it off there. Well, another guy that's been battling injuries uh, the last two years, but hey, he did something that he hasn't been able to do in two years, and that's make it to week one. That's cornerback Robert Alford today. He also spoke with reporters. He addressed what it's going to be like going up against Derrick Henry and how he thinks he's going to feel when he's out there on Sunday. We've got his sound. Um, I mean, that's his thing. He loves to steal for him. But at the end of the day, man, it's, it's, it's mano y mano. Man, you got to have heart. You got to be able to just come up and tackle. I mean, that's... That's, that's the game we play, man. It's football. It's tackling. You got to be physical. And, um, I mean, you just got to take – you got to bring him out any way that you can at the end of the day. I'm curious at all to see how you play on Sunday after being out for two years. Curious? Yeah. Nah, man, I'm confident. Um, I'm a player. I'm confident in my play that I'm going to play great um, at the end of the day. Um, if nobody else, um, I expect um, the best of myself. And um, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to execute. I'm going to show the world um, the reasoning and why they bought me to Arizona. Okay, so he's not curious. He's confident uh, in what he's going to be able to do on Sunday. No, go ahead, JV. I, well, no, I, love, I love what you bring to the table. Well, though. I mean, I've been waiting to see Robert Offord play football with the Arizona Cardinals for two years, and it's surreal now, and I didn't think it was going to happen. I was fairly confident. 
that he would be a cap casualty in the spring, and he was. They cut him, and they saved a ton of money. He, he signed a three-year bloated deal the year they hired Cliff Kingsbury, and a lot of people were excited because they were going to pair him with Pat P. He had the big Super Bowl interception of Tom Brady once upon a time, pick six, and then he never played. He had two fluke injuries in the preseason. You felt for the guy, but just like it's not meant to be. And now we fast forward to this Sunday, and he's going to be one of their starting outside corners. And whether that tells you about where they're at from a cornerback standpoint, that's neither here nor there. But just the fact that he came back, he's on what equates to a vet minimum deal. He's trying to prove to the Valley and to probably his coaching staff that, hey, I'm the guy you thought you had when you signed me two years ago, and let me go out and prove it. So he's a guy to root for. I am in awe of him right now. I know how hard it is. Let me say this. I don't know how hard it is. And most of us don't in regards to missing your job for two years, getting paid a salary that you didn't, you actually didn't work for because of injuries. And once that injury, you have to go through the entire process of allowing yourself to heal. Once they've already made the transition that you cannot play this year, they bring in other guys. So that's money that they have to allocate for these other guys that they just brought in. You're sitting here driving up every day, walking and looking normal once that healing has taken place. And while we're still losing and you have to feel like, like you're just you're stealing, but yet you've earned it, but you didn't really play for it. And I always say it's a proof of sport. We always want to be in our business where once they pay us what we, what we deem ourselves to be worthy or what the market has deemed us to be worthy, we want to show up and play in the next. And then you don't get a chance to do it off of injuries. And those are the two, you know, injuries are something that happens consistently. At his position and what he has to do, the mental toughness to still want to do it, the conversation he just talked about, the confidence that he just tried to exude, I like everything he's saying, but when Sunday, Sunday happens, he still has to show up and prove it and hope that this entire season that he can get through it without any injuries. And that, to me, I marvel at the man right now because I know for a fact he's, he's itching to get out there, but knowing that he can't, he don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So do you play 100% or do you play 70% or are you out there running and banging like, you know, like a little kid? This is not the young 30-year-old guy they brought in the first time. This is a thirty, about to be a 33-year-old man who mm-hmm. had to take a pay cut. Now he's down to about a million from 7.5 to a million. We're talking like now it's a prove it. And I'm wondering, will this guy show up to be the guy he's supposed to be? Or will he play halfway until he realizes that he can play full speed? Well, injuries might be prevalent in the league, but Alford's situation is unique in that both of his season-ending injuries came in camp, and that that makes it even more brutal. But he he actually kind of reminds me a little bit of a Jordan Hicks type of guy. He's uh, very family-oriented, you know, has a lot of family support, leaned on his faith during the (laughs) tough times. So uh, he's a good guy to root for, and I hope that he can stay healthy. Um, you know, he, I don't want to continue to talk about this subject too much, but he did have some other interesting things to say about Malcolm Butler. So he said that he still talks to him just about every day, um, and that he was surprised by the announcement, but, um, that he talks to him that he's doing great. And so a lot of people on Twitter were like, there was like mixed emotions, but the people's initial reactions were like, well, if he's doing great, then why isn't he on the field? How dare you be happy <laughs> in your personal life? <laughs> I agree. It's uh, it's one of those things that good that he has that rapport and still talking. 
because I, we said something the other day that, you know, that mental health process for a lot of the players right now and the expectations and the things that they're having to, they're, they, they are open to now conversation-wise through social media makes them kind of check their ego in a lot of places. And it makes them rely on family. It makes them become more of an inner circle, tight circle knit with the people that they know they love and trust. And for him to still have that conversation, I know for a fact Robert's probably saying, man, look at me, bro. I done been through two of the toughest things you can ever go through. I'm new to this. I was new to the team. Look at my contract situation. I got a lot of bread. They paid me that dough. I dropped that money back. They gave me everything I wanted. And then I got out there. Next thing you know, I can't play. I'm hurt. This is not going where I wanted to go. And now what? But you got to keep grinding, bro. I believe in you. So, And I think that's that, that might be one of the things that we hope. I hope. I'm still hoping that. It's inspiring Malcolm that he'll say, you know what? I'm ready to ride my dog. Let's go. Well, he he also reiterated this, this. And of course, we don't really know what's going on, but um, there was like sort of mixed um, opinions on what, you know, was it really a personal matter or was it, you know, more of just, you know, he wasn't playing up to, you know, his standards and, you know, there was some downfall there. But, um, you know, he reiterated that it was a personal issue and we just want the best for him. So, again, right now we're not going to get any answers, but I feel like every time we talk to somebody, we get a little more in. Yeah, it's, you know what, it's up to Malcolm what he decides to do moving forward. I'm glad there's open lines of communication. I know he's well-liked in the locker room, and he was having a good camp. There was a misconception, and I'm, I'm glad Vance Joseph puts it to bed, where it was like, well, he got beat out with his athleticism. That was on, you know, Twitter.com was saying that. That wasn't coming from the players. That wasn't coming from Vance. You need multiple capable corners in this league, and Malcolm was going to play. Now, was he going to play the alpha role, a la Patrick Peterson? Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters. I mean, his money was guaranteed. He was here for a year. He had a good rapport. Vance Joseph liked him by all accounts. He got along with his teammates. I just, again, personal choice. The only thing is... Why did you delete all your cardinal theme paraphernalia from your social media? I know we talked about that yesterday, but it bears repeating. So if and when he, he ever does come back, I'm sure he's going to have to answer to that. And I think right now, based on that, you know, there might be a better than good chance that he returns at some point this season. But, I mean, Robert, to, to his credit, he's answering the questions that come with it. And I would bet that the secondary plays better this Sunday than people think. And, and speaking of betting... I don't know if you guys know where I'm going with this, but if you download, <laughs> you're running out of time if you haven't done this already. If you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code PHNX, Frank, have you done it yet? I've done it, and I'm still working on my <laughs> PHNX. I tell you what, but it's easy. I, I was It was an easy download for me, and um, I'm still figuring this betting thing out, knowing that you know my former history is as a player. I couldn't do it, but guess what? I'm learning. I got the app. I downloaded my PHNX code. I'm ready to go, brother. Party's on now. So if you download the app, put in the promo code PHNX, you get a free $200 to bet instantly with any $1 bet. And again, that's this weekend, this weekend only, by all accounts, 21-plus-year-old in Arizona to gamble. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEPS. Eligibility restrictions apply. Max wager of 50 bucks with that one per customer. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for more details. And this is day two since we launched PHNX. If you haven't figured it out already, we make it more fun to be a sports fan in the Valley. There's no better way to do that than becoming a member at GoPHNX phnx.com uh, it not only gets you access to all of our written content it also gives you exclusive member only deals on our merchandise we've got some awesome t-shirts up on the website phnxlocker.com you can also get access to our members only discord which has been really fun to get to talk to some of you guys uh just get away from the 
hoopla of social media just talk sports with all of us and uh, if you become a member of the fam today you're going to get either a free t-shirt of your choice uh, or your first month for just 50 cents depending on which option you choose so all good things you can't go wrong with that i love all those options those sound really good (laughs) sound like you're winning all day long that's right (laughs) hello just get that money dishing out deals left and right here i know All right. uh, Well, DJ Humphreys made us all laugh today when he got going about what he wants to see out of his fellow teammates on Sunday. So take a listen. You know, there's there's enough practice in the world that when that fight or flight comes, who's going to swing and who's going to run? You know what I mean? I want a bunch of swingers. So I mean, that sounded weird. I'm sorry. That was was, was, was so strange. I want want a bunch of fighters. I should have said, I want a bunch of fighters. So... (laughs) <laughs> like I said, though, that, that's the part I'm looking forward to most, not the swinging part. That was, that was a little strange. I'm sorry. <laughs> he made sure uh, to reiterate on his way out to everybody that he is not about that. Uh, but DJ Humphrey's uh, a favorite with reporters. He's always funny, and that was a pretty funny moment. Hey, to each their own. No judgment here. <laughs> But, you know, the core of the message, I think, hits home and you look at the additions they brought in the offseason correlates exactly with what he said. He wants guys that are going to fight tooth and nail in the fourth quarter with them. And they lack that that mental and physical toughness at the end of last year. They got beat on primetime by division opponents with backup quarterbacks in back-to-back games in San Francisco and the L.A. Rams. So what they do? They brought in one of the toughest individuals in the NFL in J.J. Watt. Whether or not you think he's peak J.J. Watt, we're going to find out Sunday. They get in Rodney Hudson, which I think is the most underrated move maybe across the NFL. It's a top three center at his position. They dish out a third-round pick. They bring him on board. Those are tone setters Mm -hmm. at the line of scrimmage. So often this team is viewed under Cliff, fair or not, as a finesse team. And I think bringing in those two individuals speaks to what DJ said, the fact that both of them are captains this year could go a long way in their success. Yeah, I think Rodney Hudson, uh, you know, it's hard to say because of J.J. Watt, but Rodney Hudson, I think, is my was my favorite addition this year. I agree with you. I think everything that we need is in the leadership position is definitely starting anchoring at the, at the, at the offensive line. And everything we got right now, for the most part, is perfect. So everything, um, what we're doing, what the Cardinals have done this offseason, is bringing and gelling together a team. What we saw, what D, what, but what DJ said was absolutely funny. I mean, you can't you can't beat that up. And I, I like the humor he has in that window, how he finds that little small piece of being able to switch and say, "Ho, ho, ho, calm down now." I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about that. But I agree with you, JV. He, I mean, this team has the pieces to get out and and scrap with some people. Last year was a, was a slap in the face. It really was. And if you was on that team. You went in that locker room. You knew you had some teams that you could have beaten, but you got your butt smacked up. And I like I like the argument that he is right now. I like the, the I like the tone he wants to set, and the, the things that you got to say to players is that you want guys that will come out and fight, and you want guys that are swingers, but swingers on <laughs> but the field, swingers on the field. So, but I do swingers like off the field. It's look, up to you, but that, that's the mindset and the attitude. I like I like I like when your offensive line talk dirty. Well, DJ's key to the game might be uh, to just have a bunch of swingers out there, but my key to the game is going to uh, be on the offense. 
it, control the time of possession. Don't go three and out to get out to a fast start. I just have too many concerns right now on the defensive side, uh, especially with rookies at key positions. Zayvon Collins and Mike Backer. We're going to see, you know, we're inevitably going to see Marco Wilson at corner. Um, so I guess that's my, my key. Well, you hit the nail on the head because the offense has not looked good in the preseason. They went three and out consecutively, I think, three or four straight possessions against Kansas City. They picked up one first down. Kyler Murray and the offense picked up one first down in the preseason. Think about that. The first team offense. Are you kidding and me? So, yeah, one that's true. First down? Now, Kyler only played that one game, but they picked one up one first, first down. down. One it was first on, down? on Kyler Murray running the football. It was A hard broken play. Jesus. So to your point, Cheerson, Absolutely. If this offense stalls against this opposing offense with Derrick Henry, I think it's not fair to Vance and this group of improved individuals defensively, Xavier Collins, J.J. Watt, because they will get worn down no matter how good they are defensively. Even if they're the you know 2000 Ravens, it's not going to matter if the Cardinal offense can't start fast. And so I'm with you. Long, sustained drives. You have Matt Prater now, so you're not forcing the issue on fourth down. Too many instances last year with Zane Gonzalez on your side of the field where you felt like, mm, maybe should we punt here? We don't have confidence Zane can go from 50-plus yards out. We'll continue and force it on fourth down, subsequently give the, the defense a short field if you weren't to get it. So they can just be much more methodical now, but I'm with you. The addition of Rodney Hudson, especially in in the past game versus interior pressure, was such a liability last year, and no disrespect to Mason Cole, but it's not the edge pressure that that haunts the Cardinals and Kyler Murray because they've got, in my opinion, two of the best tandem tackles in the league with the aforementioned DJ Humphreys and Calvin Beecham. Last year, when Justin Pugh was dick- nicked up at the end of the season, what went on at right guard? They had to replace J.R. Sweezy, mm-hmm. and, then, and then Mason Cole, they shipped him out of town after that Week 17 game against the Rams. Now you have Rodney Hudson, and you can solidify that interior offensive line. Is it fair of us to try to or allow – Week one and week two to be preseason game three and preseason game four? Is it a fair statement? Is it a I fair question? Not. Is it I a fair question, no. though? I no? would say no. It doesn't matter. I mean, because, because not all your starters even you know play in the preseason. Yeah. So that's just throw that out the window. But that's why I'm asking. We got we so many new pieces. They have never played, have not played two quarters together. Now, I know we got a bunch of stats and a bunch of hope. Got a lot of, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just Ten- asking. Tennessee's can, been it, COVID-ridden it? the entire uh, training camp preseason. <laughs> They've had COVID close contacts left and right. Ryan Tanhill just returned to practice on Monday. So if we're using that as an excuse for poor play not using and they excuse. get outplayed, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow come Sunday afternoon. Were you saying because inevitably there's growing pains? Or are you saying because there was one less I'm saying because, game? well, look, we got 17 weeks now. We had Normally they only have four preseason games, and now they're down to three. Right. Um, they missed one because of you know Hurricane Ida, so that changed the narrative when it was going to play the Saints. So typically that would have been the game that would have given them at least three quarters to play. That unit, complete, maybe the complete offensive unit, or Kyle would have gotten more snaps. Um, guys would have gotten more snaps offensively and defense. The first unit typically plays more in the third preseason game. I'm only asking this question, asking this question because it is – a solid position because most teams that don't start off really great, they start out really bad in the first couple of weeks because they have not jailed enough with all the new pieces and the new add-ons in the first and second game. Now, 
just one more thing, Jay. Just all right, more, all right. Just real quick. I, I'm going to make a counterpoint well, here. Because my, my counter to myself would be I we can watch – we watched last night's game on Thursday night, and we saw two experienced quarterbacks, two experienced teams, teams yep. that have played together for a long time. Tampa had all their, all most of every one of their two players came back. Even the janitor from two years ago came back <laughs> at Tampa, so it didn't even matter. And Dallas had most of their stars come back. But we are a new team that we just put together. So I'm just I'm playing that I'm playing that role I, because I, I can know appreciate that. that it looks like that this team has not jailed yet, not one bit. They have not played one bit. One first. Down. I I I agree that they have not gelled. Okay, so but last year there was no preseason and they opened up against the NFC Championship uh, San Francisco 49ers on the road and played maybe one of their most complete games of the season, acclimating DeAndre Hopkins in the process where we hadn't seen him play in the preseason with Kyler Murray. So I'll push back slightly, but I agree they have not had their (laughs) complement of weapons. Rondell Moore, AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk have not played together as a foursome in the receiving core. J.J. Watt hasn't played a preseason game. We haven't seen J.J. Watt really live at practice, you know, maybe for the last 10 to 14 days. That's been it. So I, it's exciting because there's a lot of unknowns, but mm-hmm. I'm with you because it, it could take a little while. So we've had a lot of players come out and say, like, they just wish there was no preseason, just get right to it. So are you saying that you enjoy, like, you really benefited from the preseason? You, you, yes, you Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, you do. You ha- yes, you, yes, you do. You benefit from the preseason. I mean, if you're you're an older guy, no, you don't want to play the preseason. Heck, no. Let the young guys go figure it out. I don't. Yeah, but if you're talking about every everybody gelling, you gotta you, have the you older have guys to have out it. There. You have to have that. That's why I say the older guys don't want the preseasons because they already got their money. And they, you want a little tip in the preseason. If we're if they're paying players two thousand dollars, they're playing every player two thousand dollars for four games. The, the contract money doesn't come into play until the first regular game. So you don't see that mm. that $17 million check I'm supposed to get divided over 17 weeks, which is a million dollar every week. Take take FICA and your mama and your daddy and taxes <laughs> out of that, and you look at about three uh, about $775,000 check. You don't see that. But when I'm playing in preseason, they're paying me the exact same price they're paying paying the guy that they draft. They did the undrafted free agent, the undrafted rookie. <laughs> What's up, Chris? <laughs> What's up, Chris? I don't know between the janitor. And <laughs> I mean, but that's what I'm saying. That's what the it's analogies like. left and right. To but that, man. that's the point. So you do not want to do the job that they're paying somebody. You're paying me the exact same that they're paying the guy that's trying to earn it. So you're telling me I still have to earn it, although I'm coming off a of Pro Bowl season, although I led the league in this, although I am good looking, I'm marketable, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and yet. You're paying me two thousand dollars the same thing. No, I don't want to play for that bull crap. I want to wait till the real money shows up. So that's so if I'm Robert, that's I don't get hurt. Yeah, you're just giving me that bread. You're giving me my money. So I'm coming out trying to prove I might have got hurt on some rookie running mm-hmm. the wrong route. And so to me, just keeping it real, y'all, just one hundred. You don't want to play in the preseason, but you need the preseason to get cohesiveness. You need I need to know you can handle somebody whooping your butt on the other side. And know you're going to be able to sustain that maybe the second quarter. You won't be the first quarter guy that's on the sideline before we start playing, throwing up. Because you know you got to deal with that beast on the other side. That's a four-time How pro How many bowler. sound bites are we going to be able to cut I from mean, this I show? I don't from know. Frank I'm just, 
I'm just saying. Those are the things that's on I the agree table. With you. I'm an advocate ahead. for the preseason. The aforementioned Dennis Garnett is somebody who would benefit from a preseason. Absolutely. All the rookies. Frank's big time. He's a second round pick. So, but like the fifth, sixth, seventh 100%. round, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. They're trying to make this team. The Trent Sherfields of the world. Those guys. Once upon a time, do benefit. But I'm with you. I would not play Kyler Murray ever again in the preseason. I would never play DeAndre Hopkins ever again in the preseason. So they have enough practice time. This isn't college where they limit your reps as a team. You can practice when and however you want, uh, especially in training camp. They've had plenty of time. They should be fine. I never thought about like the money aspect of it. I always thought of it about no it from does, like a saving your body aspect. But <laughs> it's it, no one does really just until it matters, and that's the part where it's a hidden conversation. Look, I'm going to get an old, some more nasty conversation. The owners still charge the same price for the tickets That's preseason. True. The popcorn is still $7. The Coke is still at seven, 17 and a beer is almost a 20 hour. God tour. bless fans that pay God for bless the fans fans. that go out and support mm-hmm. you know, the NFL. And I love that. But at the end of the day, the players know that it's on the table. And that, ha- that has not changed thus far. And no one wants to work for the labor that you already re- realize that potentially could cause you to get hurt. And if you feel like you're going to get hurt, then that's something in a position where you want to take that back. But I'm I'm saying this just from the purest standpoint. You need you need basic training. You need that training because when the live rounds are out there and the guys are really trying to take your head off, they're not your buddies. This is not social media. It's not a tweet moment where we're going to go hang out after. No, we're, I'm trying to win a game. And at the end of the day, that's what's at stake. And so I, I am a champion for the preseason because I know – the guys that are getting the money are the guys that's going to play. Mm-hmm. The guys that we're supporting and loving and, and cheering on are the guys that play. And they're the ones who are supposed to be the first-round draft picks, second-round draft picks, the underdogs, the ones that overcome a lot, and then they're the ones who we become we're fans of. And if they don't have that gelling moment and they don't know what it feels like to be in that locker room under, under pressure situations, then when we get out on the field, we're going to get our butts kicked, or you're going to get your butt kicked, and I'm going to be doing my job, and then you can't do your job, so your your job's affecting my job, and I need that moment. So I just read the room of the Valley. I I hear what you're saying. Nobody wants excuses about gelling if they lose this game and they look out of sync. In year three with the same head coach, Kyler Murray has, quote-unquote, mastered this offense, and you've got all the weaponry. You know, Say what you want about Steve Kime. He's put together a roster that's you know, top, Absolutely. objectively top 10 to 12 in the NFL. Cardinal fans do not want to hear about that. They want to hear about this is the popular maturation process. You should be talking about playoffs, NFC title game, competing for the division, not, oh, we're still working through some things. And I think that's part of the frustration. Cliff dropped that after the Kansas City Monday night uh, primetime preseason game. Yeah, we're still working through some things. We're hiding some stuff. Nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear that this is going to be a quintessential top five offense and they're going to produce and win on Sunday. True statement. Both teams are uh, struggling with their own stuff early here. Um, So pretty evenly matched. DraftKings says the Cardinals as just two and a half point dogs in this game. Um, I also downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app, used the code PHNX, placed a dollar bet, and now I've got $200 in free bets, some of which I'm putting on the Cardinals. So for my DraftKings pick of the week, I'm taking the points. I think the cards are going to find a way to get it done and win outright. Cheerson's been watching our gambling show because that was one of my locks of the week, too. I, I do think the Cardinals are going to win outright, and I think plus two and a half. Vegas is telling you the Cardinals, because I'm going to give you a little uh, gambling lesson here. If uh, a home team is favored right around two, two and a half, three points, that's just equates for home field advantage. They they view, Vegas views both of these teams as very evenly matched. 
I did not know that. That's why I'm so there you go. So I'm if you see a line notes. moving forward, all of you at home, if you see a line two, two, two and a half, three, it, it, for the most part, it's an even game. It's, it's when you get into the five, six, seven, eights where it's potentially really lopsided. But you hit the nail on the head. Cardinals have an opportunity to go into Tennessee. Tennessee facing a lot of adversity. We talk about the Cardinals' adversity in their secondary. For the most part, they're healthy. They've got consistency on both sides of the ball. Same two coordinators. The same cannot be said, and I think this is not talked about enough, Tennessee had to replace their offensive coordinator. He is now the head coach in Atlanta, Arthur Smith. You guys know who Todd Downing is? Probably not, right? Because he was fired as the offensive coordinator of the Raiders in 2017. He wasn't very good. He's been middling around the NFL. I think he was the quarterback coach or maybe the tight end coach last year. They promoted him from within. He is not Arthur Smith. So you're talking about replicating the offense from a year ago that was top 10 in the NFL. You lose Janu Smith. You lose Corey Davis. No one's practiced consistently together. They've had two interior offensive linemen out. So the Cardinals are in a much better position to win this game, even though it's on the road, than Tennessee is. You know what? I'm going to my DraftKings app. There you go. I'm going to double down on my Everybody should do it right now. I'm going to double down on it and go from $1 to 2 maybe $4. The we way, know Producer The way Jacob you're dropping this knowledge well. on me, I love it, bro. This is we like. We do this research here to help serve you. Now, this is not a supplemental income. This is, you know, fun money, disposable income that you have. And if you if you don't have that, maybe sit this weekend out. Although, you, if you have a dollar, you can do it. But, you know, future weeks, be careful. Yeah, I know. This is the way. If, if you don't got the money, this is the weekend to definitely do it. Yes. All right. Well, I want to take a turn here to a little something more serious. Um, We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And we always remember Pat Tillman uh, for his sacrifice after 9-11, deciding to leave the NFL and enlist in the military. Um, And Frank, you were actually his teammate. And so um, I just I want to know what it was like being Pat's teammate. And if you have a few stories you can share. I do. Um, It was different because at the time he got there, um, Vince Tobin was the head coach. And Vince Tobin was our locker room was offensive side and defensive side. And then Vince was like, man, forget that we're a team. There's no individuality here. We want to mix our lockers up and we're going to have one offensive player, defensive offensive player, defensive player. Pat happened to be my locker mate. And there were many times, and even on our buses, when we would go to the games, he didn't want offensive bus and defensive bus. Now, we've been doing offensive bus since Little League and defensive bus since Little League. And if you was just in between Dennis Gardeck and you just could decide what bus you was going to get on if you was a special team or a top-tier special team guy, so it didn't really matter. Vince Tobin changed all that, and Pat happened to be my locker mate. I thought it was something where we brought him in. He seemed like a guy who was – Definitely going to make the uh, special teams guy. He was going to make the roster some way. He had a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of attitude about himself and belief that he understood what it was like to be on a team. He also came up with Jake Plummer, so I thought that was another additive, another ASU guy. Um, but his decision to not pursue and continue his NFL career was uh, here's how, here's how this happens. And I, and I did this in my mind this day, and I was thinking of a correlation of it was. My 2002 season was my last season with the Arizona Cardinals. And his 2002 season would have been his contractual moment. He was up, up, up for contract. And so I'm coming back in the locker room, coming back in the, in the building or through the gate, the entrance where we normally go at down on the third basement level. He's coming out. And I'm like, what's good? What's, what's good, Pat? What's happening? Are you, did you get your contract? What's going on? He said, nah, bro, I'm going to the, I'm going to the Army. I said, you're going to the Army? You're doing what? He's like, yeah, I'm going to the Army. And I said, I just, 
but, but, but why? He says, nah, man, there's so much going on right now. Me and my brother, we're going, we're going to the military. We're going as Rangers. I said, bro, you just, you turned down a lot of money. He said, I know. He says, but I got to do something with my life. Me and my brother's doing it. We've already made the decision, and I'm out of here. I said, bro, God bless you. And to me, I thought that was a, a choice of a decision, one coming into the NFL, one going out of the NFL, one making a choice to do one thing, one making a choice for another reason. And to me, I, I thought that was amazing. Pat's a great teammate. Nothing bad to say about him. Everything he's done thus far, um, when he went into the military, just some little, little, little nuggets that we probably don't know. Pat went in as a ranger, one of the toughest things you can ever decide to be, like a Navy SEAL at the, at the highest level. To be um, what they call a Bravo 11, 11 Bravo, is he's the, he's the guy point man. Like everything that he had to do, he was going in first. He was going in to set a precedence, either reconnaissance or changing the territory for our, our, our other military men to come in, men and women to come in behind them. Um, but unfortunately, something happened on a day that was, you know, tough for all of us except in 2004. Um, and the story, you can do your own research and figure out what you want to believe and take from that. But the man, Pat Tillman, left behind a legacy. His wife, Maria, now is running the Pat Tillman Foundation. They're giving out awards, um, scholarships for military men and women who are going for their graduate degree and trying to finish finishing their undergraduate degree. Um, and it's pretty special. It's not, it's not something to take lightly. Normally we think we, our lives are, the impact we're making is at a small level, but then you you realize you don't realize how many lives you're touching in regards to the people that you don't know and for what you're doing and how you're doing it. Pat's gone right now, but in the, in the, in the idea of how many lives are you touching through the Pat Tillman Run, the Pat Tillman Scholarship Foundation, the men and women that have gone into the military because of his story um, and how they want to serve their country, I think, it's, um, I think it's pretty special. And for all of that, I'm pretty sure a lot of people love Pat and, and, and honor him because of that. I've heard so many stories about him just marching to the beat of his own drum. I mean, <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, you know, deciding to enlist in the army and leave, uh, you know, a, a huge contract in the NFL. I mean, that's definitely. If I don't know uh, of anything else, I mean, that's definitely marching to the beat of your own drum. But also riding a bike to the Look, facility for the most un <laughs> the. The guy that did not want to pay attention to rules or the guy that just was opposite of the rules, <laughs> mm -hmm. flip-flops, pajamas, and a, and a white T-shirt on a beach cruiser coming to work every day from his apartment complex that was just down the road. He never spent money. He never spent money. He, uh, he never wore any fashion jewelry or anything like that. Vince Tobin instituted a, uh, uh, a dress code policy. He only had jeans and a T-shirt. And I'm in a white T-shirt, not like a red or a blue one or an ASU T-shirt. Like an undershirt a type jeans, of jeans, <laughs> flip-flops, and a T-shirt is what he wore to the games. And we had to get him a jacket. Just to get on the bus, he had to get a jacket to get on the bus. <laughs> and then he got on the bus, he took the jacket off. He had to have a jacket to get on the plane. And then he took the jacket off and got on the plane. So a guy that did not follow the rules at one moment in time, everything about life meant something to him that he became a rule follower. And he became a guy that wanted to you know, leave an impact. And I thought that was, um, it's pretty crazy because it's like, he should be on, he should be surfing right now. He and his wife should have a baby or three or four kids and they should, he should be surfing somewhere, living outside of the beach somewhere, a poli-sci major. He read tons of books on military, military war, military generals. Um, he got into arguments with guys on buses and on the bus and planes for the books he was reading. He had a Mussolini book, he had a Hitler book, he had a, 
he had a um, he had books on the um, Vietnam War, the Korean War that he would come on the bus and start reading. If a guy asked him what question, what are you reading? What are you reading? He'd tell him a story, tell him about it, and he'll say, "This guy you might not like, but this guy right here had to be a genius to figure out how to get that many people to do as much crazy stuff mm. as he was able to get them to do in a leadership position." And he stayed focused in those particular areas on how to, you know, how to rule and how to lead people and how to get that military uh, mindset about itself. And the military government, our government thinks totally different than we think. And I know that for a fact. I mean, it's just, it's across the board. They don't, they don't do what we do. They don't think the way we think. They don't train their soldiers to do what civilians do. That's why they call us civilians and they're not. They're not. And um, Pat was one of those guys, I think, that he found a mission. And he wanted to go, and he wanted to attack it, him and his brother. And I think that's pretty awesome. It sounds like he, you know, whether he was, like, reading these books or, you know, showing up, you know, in pajamas, <laughs> that he he almost seemed like he would have just been, like, the odd man out. But it, but at the same time, everybody kind of rallied around him. Yeah, you know, 9-11 made everyone think about something different. Mm-hmm. It did. I mean, it changed, it changed all of us at that time. Um it changed a lot of us. It changed the way we thought, the way we were. We were viewed in, in America as this untouchable on our own soil place. And then it was touched. And it didn't just touch us. It touched, you know, one of our heart, one of our, the heart of us in our cities in New York. And then not just New York, in Washington and all these other places. So it, um, it touched a lot of us. And I think that was the part where you had to come to a place of, you know, what am I going to do? And I think Pat did. Most football players Think about this. Like we literally are, we're playing games doing holidays, and athletes are playing on holidays and moments where um, that the family is surrounded and gathered. And our, mil- our men and our women across the country, around the world, is not with their families, but they have television and they're watching the sports and they're trying to stay connected to this thing called football or this thing called basketball or hockey or something like that. And when we get a chance to meet, I personally have had a lot of wonderful opportunities meeting our men and women um, that serve here and abroad. And there are so many things that they tell us about how we kept them going and doing their tough times while they're out in the desert or while they're out in some jungle and they all they have is a radio or all they have is a little TV. And that to me is um, there's no comparison. Pat said it best, man. (laughs) We're actors and they are on a real stage. And everything about their moments in life is life and death. And I think that is something that he began to take serious. And, you know, that, that to me is the – it's a decision Frank Sanders was not willing to make at the time, considering all the other stuff I had going on and measuring out, you know, am I going to be a football player or do I want to join the military? And I chose football. Yeah. And he chose the military. And I think that's something pretty awesome. Uh, Pat Tillman, a guy that uh, his memory will forever and ever live on. Um, And it's hard to believe it's already been 20 years um, since the 9-11 attacks. Uh, We certainly want to, you know, honor, you know, every family that was impacted by by, uh, the events that took place back in 2001. Do we want to end this on... Uh, a little bit of a higher note. Do you want to share one last thing? Any any other tidbit of Tillman? Any funny moment maybe where we can end this on a little bit of a lighter note? So without a doubt. I mean, the dude. <laughs> so we're in practice and there's a guy named Mac Cody. Mac Cody was a receiver. He was he came from St. Louis. He's uh, probably about five foot five, 
So I got him in height then. You got him. <laughs> nice. Jay, Jay, nice. you got him. Jay. And size too. Oh, you got him deal. in height and good size. Deal. He was a kick, but it's quickness now. You I know hope that. he's not watching, man. And if None he is, it doesn't matter. I'm, right. I'm telling the fact. These are true stories. This is, you can do the math on it. You can, you can go back up. and research it. Um, he's playing offense. He's running plays. He's doing. He's the scout team for another team. And then this our scout team offense is giving our defense a look of the team we're playing that week. It just so happens that you know he he runs a route. He somebody catches the ball. He sees Pat and he runs and he tries to block him. And Pat Pat and takes the hit and he looks back and like what the heck? I'm, he's shorter than Pat. And then so they look at each other and they walk away. Next thing they come back. Next play they do the same thing again. And then Pat sees him and tees him up. And now we have a fight going on. And Mac is smaller, but he has him. And this is, this is Pat's training. Like one thing he trained for a marathon, we thought he was crazy. Like he was training in a marathon somewhere. Then he comes back and he's taking Taibo and karate classes. <laughs> and so you don't see it come to work. Like, you know, you run a marathon, so this guy got good lungs. But when you see a guy that takes karate, he's out there giving him the Taibo. He has his jersey. <laughs> He has his helmet. He's got his jersey over his helmet. <laughs> he has his knee going back to his face. And yeah, the Billy yeah. Blanks. What was that? The Billy Blanks. Yeah, yes, Billy Blanks. <laughs> Todd Boys. Yeah, yeah. He's jabbing him, man. And next thing you know, they break it up, and the guy walks off. The helmet comes off, and everything. And everybody's looking at Pat like, man, <laughs> what the hell just happened? Like it was one of those fights you didn't. No one ran to stop it. Yeah. And all you saw was a little shoving, shoving. He's like, here it goes. Got him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the knee up in his helmet. And at the end of the day, you know. One great the ending the ending of that was Pat was great at they was gracious to what he did to the end because they didn't they stood their ground. And sometimes in the NFL, like I say, you you somebody's trying to kick your butt. Yeah. And the better man might win, but if the better man knows that you stood your ground, that to him is more respectful. And the guys did respect both situations. Although I wish I would have had that on camera because it was definitely a Billy Blanks promo <laughs> at its Before best. the days of iPhones and, and oh, tablets absolutely. and everything. Oh my God, man, this was this was in practice. It was a. It was a weird day because we was like on practice field number three, which was like really odd in itself. We were probably another 400 yards from the foot from the from the from the facility, which didn't make any sense. But we were there. Vince Tobin, yes, <laughs> trying to make sure no one's watching us do what we do. And but it was a great moment. And Pat himself, man, is um, by far one of the best teammates we had in the locker room. He proved to us that you know everything that he looked like he was an underdog. He overachieved. So if you're listening to this podcast, look, he's a great guy to study, a great man to pay attention to. Um, and one moment in your life, you might have that moment where you have to answer the call to something that might be bigger than just sports. Well said, uh, Frank. Love that you are part of this show. I think Johnny can attest to Absolutely. that as well. Uh, great insight. Uh, Love, love this entire conversation. I'm glad we were able to have it. Um, if you guys are watching us on YouTube right now, we want to remind you that uh, you can make sure that you never miss out on uh, any of our shows by subscribing to the PHNX Cardinals podcast on Apple's podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then if you're hearing us on one of those apps, uh, we are cranking out awesome content um, on all of Arizona's major sports teams on our YouTube channel phnx sports so make sure you subscribe to the channel uh hit the bell to sign up for alerts every time we drop new videos and then finally you can follow us along on social media twitter instagram and facebook by following us at phnx underscore sports uh we will i guess next time we are all here it's going to be game day so we'll be back on sunday for a post game show and hopefully cardinals win <laughs> thank god I've, we've talked so many rankings and preseason and free agency in the draft and all accumulates to this Sunday finally. I can't wait. We'll see you then.